What the footy? What the footy? What the footy? What the footy? Hi there, it's Paul, and you're listening to What the Footy, the football business podcast that goes behind the scenes and gives fans, industry experts, athletes, aspiring sports professionals, and more unrivaled insight into football, business, and how the beautiful game is evolving. Here is what I have lined up for you today. Every partner stands and, and tells a story. That's what we try to do. And when people say, what does a CRO do? I, I probably start with saying I tell stories or I'm a storyteller because at the end it's understanding whom you're sitting with, understanding where you can provide value and creating that story together. And obviously, you know, creating the revenues for the club is part of my job as well. But, but I think that's, that's part of, of, of partnerships. I hope you love it. Not like it, I hope you love it. So if you're locked in and listening, give the pod a follow and a five-star review and tell a friend to tell a friend. Let's go. Knew some other guys liked me, but I didn't know it was to that extent. Imagine being a kid in primary school, now it's a putting in awesome. Powerful people, and I think they need to recognise that, but then also they need to be represented the right way. Sport in general is nothing without fans. Uh, based on you know, one single source of revenue alone, that being the TV. So when in the league, let's just win this to appease the fan. I heard several, several podcasts, so it's going to be a fun one. Looking forward to it. No, thank you for listening. Thank you for giving me your time. Felix, welcome to the What The Footy podcast. Great to have you here. How are you doing today? Are you in sunny sunny Mallorca today or...? I am, I am. It's a windy Mallorca today, which is windy. not usual, but pleased to be here and, and be with you. No, it's good. It's a rainy, rainy and cold London. So, uh, so yeah. But, um, but yeah, no, the first question that we ask all our guests is, what is football to you, a business or a sport and why? <laughs> it's a good one. Um, I think it's the sport and uh, probably the best driver into business. Uh, within the sports industry. So I definitely say it's the sport and with it, it comes uh, incredible opportunities for business. And obviously the world of football and the world of sports are, are prof- you know, getting more and more professional, more like entities, companies. So I think the way football is run nowadays, looking back 10, 15 years ago, um, obviously it's going into professionalization. And that that means, of course, focusing more and more on the business side of it. Um, which I think is just strengthening the sport. So, but if I have to choose, I'd say that the sport. No, hundred percent. Just sort of talk to me about your previous experiences. Obviously, you you, you have a, a long background of working in tennis. Just sort of speak to me about how those experiences have helped and shaped you in your role as chief revenue officer at RCD Mallorca. Yeah. So as 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 you say, um, I spent. 17, 18 years working for, for the tennis industry, working for the ATP and the WTA tour, and then also on the business side, working for a promotion of, of, of events, so went to the event side. Um, so it has been quite a ride, and uh, tennis and golf is, is, is the background. And I definitely see a lot of things that have helped me in my actual role. And I think the, the fun thing about the tennis times is, you know, especially when you start young. So the fun thing about about the uh, that time was, you know, getting to travel around the world, working with different people, with different cultures, at different hotels, getting so much input of how venues can look, of how, you know, every event is run differently. 
and you know being part of every single one of them gives you a lot of input and a lot of ideas and a lot of concepts and you know how well you know these and these and these uh, are treated in in Indian Wells though you love the fantastic atmosphere created in the Australian Open or the class you know and 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 those standards that Wimbledon provides so I think getting all that input and being part of all those events and working with so many different people has definitely uh, helped me in my actual roles and and, and I hope it, it still does in the next year so uh, there is a lot of projects here and uh, and I think we are we have we've we're on a fantastic path with our RCD Mallorca and uh, and I'm sure that that those you know that background and that experience is it's going to be crucial in, in how we approach things. Now, that's, that's super useful. And we'll touch on some of those projects and those fan engagement pieces later on in the podcast. But just sort of talk to me about why you joined RCD Mallorca. What was the vision and the ambition for the club when you joined? And how has that sort of changed and shifted uh, over time? So um, I, I moved to Mallorca seven years ago when I stopped traveling with the tour and and. Um, got to manage a, an ATP event on the island of Mallorca, so came to Mallorca with tennis, and then we also managed a, a golf European Tour event. Um, so came to Mallorca with my background with uh, tennis and golf, and then you know working with the club. Obviously, at the end, we we had a lot of things in common and a lot of contact. And and a few years later, the project of RCD Mallorca was growing. Um, I think they also you know when when they looked for different things to, to bring in on board and and when we started talking i think it was from the very first minute i sat on the table where i said okay if you give me three attractive projects i'd say europe-wide probably i don't think anyone would beat the project that Mallorca is, is is putting together so for me it was a no-brainer it's one of those uh, organizations you know where so many things come together the destination the moment of the club you know after really tough years where the club has suffered a lot with the new ownership coming in and taking control, you know, putting the right things on the right places and now starting to grow and starting to grow globally, internationally, to really go to the next step. I think it was just the stadium project. So when, when everything was laid out, again, uh, I don't think there were, there could have been any projects more attractive. Uh, for me, it was a, a quick decision. Just sort of leaning into some of the things that you mentioned there, the club is in a really strategic geographic location. Mallorca is one of the the most popular sort of tourist destinations in the world. How do you sort of capitalise on that and, and, and try and maximise that from a fan engagement perspective and from a branding perspective as well? Absolutely. I think that's uh, one of the, if not the main asset the club has, no, uh, the destination. Um, I think there is many, many things that, that, that bring value on that. First, obviously, as you mentioned, Mallorca is well known. I think it's one of the hotspots worldwide. Um, I think trending destination voted in 22, 23. So I think it's really one of the places to be. It's an incredible B2B hub. You know, there must be, I don't know if it's the place where most transactions happen or where most uh, juices are sold. Probably not. The larger cities, larger uh, metropoles, but it's a place where everyone comes together. Many, many people have a house here, or spend time here, come for business trips, come for personal trips. So there is something where everyone, I, I always say it's three things. It's There is sort of a premium or qualitative uh, aspect of the island. There is this positive association. You know, every time when you speak to someone, oh, I work at Mallorca and 
there is an immediate smile. I think it's 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 a place you know where people want to be, um, and on the other hand, it's you know that that sustainable that island that is growing that is doing the right thing. So I think this this assets lifestyle we bring into everything we do at the club. I think this is one of our key cards when you know when we engage in conversations in in, in all sort of. And then it also opens the door, as you were mentioning before, you know, fan engagement. Um, it's it's easy to relate with people. It's easy to create positive moments with people. And we have obviously, I think uh, this year has been more than 17 million travelers or tourists coming to the island. So those are all people that they might not be grown up or, or born Mallorca fans, but they're going to have a fantastic time on the island. We have a touch point with them when they're here. They maybe come to the stadium. They maybe buy a shirt or they create touch points with with the club and this is an opportunity for us uh, where we really you know the touristic sector without obviously forgetting and, 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 and focusing absolutely on our fan base you know that is helping us to grow those are assets and, and opportunities this club has that we need to to leverage yeah and, and do you think that's something that more clubs should sort of tap into that sort of uniqueness around where they're located because I, I remember speaking to I had Fabian who's chief brand officer at PSG and they're in a fashion capital hence why they've done been able to sort of capitalize on the fashion space you're in a hot tourism destination capitalizing on that do you think that's something that clubs should really focus on when they're trying to generate revenue and bring in sponsors and and, and effectively grow the brand Absolutely, yes. I think nowadays, uh, you know, revenues or sponsorships, partnerships, um, it's not a, about advertising. It's about creating projects, creating moments, creating stories, you know, uh, and engaging. So definitely you have a great start point when you, you have to look where you are, what you are, what you stand for. I think the values you stand for are also a big, big important part in, in, in this sort of partnerships, uh, the, the, the possibilities, opportunities. And from that on, you know, you mentioned Paris as, 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 as fashion. Mallorca obviously is, is a hotspot in, in life quality and in, in, in good moments. So we need to put that in value. If I would be in other cities, probably you would have to dig down and say, okay, what can I bring to the market that makes me different? Because it's about creating engaging stories, creating engaging opportunities together based on what you can provide that many others cannot. You know? And and I think that's the, that's definitely the key point. And I think Mallorca for us, and you'll see that in everything we communicate and everything we do, uh, we are extremely proud to be in Mallorca and be from Mallorca um, and, and try to, you know, have that always uh, in common in everything we do. Yeah, and I think even just linked to that as well, obviously the club has American investors and American owners. How is that sort of... US involvement kind of helped to grow grow the brand, grow the club, grow the revenue because I think the if you look at some of the most valuable franchises and sports entities in the world, they're they're US based franchises and, and they really are really hot on leveraging the stadium, fan engagement and, and different kinds of projects. How have you been able to 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 leverage the involvement of the of the US investors? I think from one to ten, ten. I think uh we have an incredible ownership group um, because it's not only American owners that know, you know, the, the American side of sports. I think American sports and, and major leagues versus European sports, there are definitely some major differences. Now, obviously, let's start with relegation. No? When, when, when you put the word relegation on the table, people say, what? You know, like, what are you talking about? That's, that's a life changer and that can be every year. Um, but on the other hand, 
the great thing about our ownership and, and, and Andy Kohlberg, our president, was former tennis player, Steve Nash and Steve Kerr, which are two of the big names, basketball players, we have Stu, uh, football players. So they are sportsmen. They are athletes. They are in, they like competition. They understand competition. They understand, you know, that on the pitch, you might lose more than you win at the beginning, that you're growing, that you're looking into the mid-long term. So it has been an incredible ride and, and having the opportunity, you know, to to speak to them. And then we have continuous uh, uh, conversations also with the Phoenix Suns that, you know, that there's, uh, yeah. you know, co-ownership in, in some aspects. So having those opportunities is one of that differential factors we were talking about before, no, that makes the choice or the decision to join this project easy because these are unique opportunities. People that understand the sports industry, people that have been athletes and have been on the pitch and and having all those touch points and all those go to go or go to people that you can ask that you can you know create strategies with that can bring in so many different views about the industry and innovative uh, parts of it and aspects and i think that's that's what we try to do here we try to innovate in everything we do um because obviously at the same level as other major european clubs we're not there uh, we're growing so what can we do different that makes us stand out, that makes that partner want to be with us and not with others? What makes <clears throat> those crowds want to be yep. aligned to Mallorca or feel part of this project? And I think that is the ownership and <clears throat> the, the, all the work they have done in, in the last seven years since they took over the club in a very difficult situation. It's incredible. And how, how often do you guys sort of meet to audit and sort of review the progress of things. And f from your perspective, what, what's the sort of secret to managing upwards? Well, we, we speak weekly. We report weekly. weekly. Uh, we have a continuous conversations. They spend a lot of time here as well. So they're incredibly involved in the project. They're proud of the project. You know, we, they took a team that was suffering, an organization that was suffering also financially. And, and, and look where we are now. We ended in the top 10 position last year in La Liga. It's our third uh, continuous season in, in First Division La Liga, which is one of the best leagues and competitions worldwide. So I think that relationship is, is continuous. Um, last week I spoke three times with, with different actors. So um, it's, a, it's a great opportunity and it's something that we put value to it because it has it, a differential factor, and, and we, and we you know, take advantage of that. Yeah, and, and, and on that point about the financials, how, how have you sort of found working and navigating the, the financial rules and constraints that you have in La Liga? Because obviously within within European football and, and football worldwide, the, there's a lot of there's a lot of pressure to grow revenue in order to have that revenue to then spend on wages. How have you sort of found being being within La Liga and dealing with those those constraints that, that are currently in play? It's a it's an interesting one. I think that, that that is a point of conversation we could spend hours with um, because obviously we've I got hours, Felix. We've got hours. <laughs> I think I think we all agree that there must be some sort of financial control and some fair play regulations in place. So there are European ones, there are local ones, regional ones. Um, from our experience in La Liga and and and. And this is just my opinion, not, not the one of our city, Mallorca, obviously. But speaking, my, my opinion is if you see what has happened to so many great and, and traditional and ancient football organizations and clubs in Spain due to a horrible uh, financial management, 
Um, and I speak about clubs that are now in third division or even have disappeared, which had, you know, some of the largest fun bases and, 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 and biggest history in Spanish football that needed action. And I think we all agree there needs to be fair play. There needs to be control and there needs to be some rules where we all can compete in, 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 you know, within the same, at least, you know, uh, walls, let's say, um, then that La Liga is maybe going very far and going more strict than the other competitions. Well, I think, I personally think it's the right way to go. Um, if we then need to flexibilize some things or not, I think that's decisions of, 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 of the different clubs and the 42 clubs at the, at the end of La Liga. Um, those need to get together and, and decide if there is some fine-tuning required, which probably is. On the other hand, La Liga doesn't allow you to lose money. So La Liga says spend what you generate. Uh, so it drives us to generate. Uh, it helps us to generate. It helps us to grow internationally and globally. It has a big structure that is supporting the brand to grow. And I think La Liga brand also with a new lounge is doing a fantastic job. Are we at this point right now today playing with, you know, much more stricter rules than other competitions? Probably yes. On the mid and long term, and I think we are, a com you know, our organization works very much on the mid and long term and, and, and with a vision. Is it the right way? I probably think it is. Um, I think it's, it's not normal to have losses uh, in the value of 2,000 million euros for a competition because it can happen one year that someone is taking over the losses for the organizations, but at some point they'll say, I'm tired of losing money. And then suddenly they drop. And when you drop those organizations, it's very difficult to get back in, in, in a day-to-day -day business because you have commitments, you have financial commitments, you have contracts in place that you cannot afford if you don't generate those assets. So it's a long one. My personal opinion is probably some fine-tuning required. And I think that's, that's the job of, of, of all the clubs to sit down and, and as La Liga decide, you know, what is required here and then. But on the other hand, I think for the good of the sport and for the, for the mid and long term and for the future of sports, we need those sort of, of, of regulations. Yeah, and, and, and just building on that, what's what's distribution like within La Liga and within within the, the, the Spanish football football system? Because over here in the in, in England we have loads of conversations about distribution, how it works obviously within the Premier League, it's it's done in a particular way, but how that money's fed down towards the rest of the pyramid as well. And just, just your general sort of views in terms of when you look at, say, for the Premier League, for example, the bottom club in the Premier League can probably make more from the broadcasting deals than than a club in La Liga that's maybe in sixth place, for example. I think a couple of seasons ago, Norwich had more revenues than Sevilla, for example. And Sevilla are, are year in, year out, Europa League winners and historic club as well and how does how does that sort of work work in terms of your opinion yeah i think again first of all obviously when when we speak about broadcasting i think there there is always periods of time it's not a yearly thing because obviously you generate large contracts in different markets and so on that that impacts you know not one year but three four years when then those contracts get renegotiated and there is a growth and a movement so obviously um, it's faces, it's not a yearly thing. And on the other hand, it's 
I mean, what I always say is La Liga at the end is, is there is no La Liga that decides for everyone else. It's the 42 clubs that create the first and second division in Spain that vote and that decide together. So our distribution regulations are have different factors and audiences on years you've been supporting and bringing value to La Liga, obviously on, on, on where your classification is at the end of the year. So I, I, I think it's a very similar approach to what I said before. Some fine-tuning required, for sure. Um, at the end, you know, it's 42 voices. And I think we have to put value to what has been achieved and what clubs have brought to the table and have, you know, supported La Liga to grow. And that has to be recognized. Uh, on the other hand, we go back to this competitiveness with others, you now having the same rules and same kind of... of, of of standards, so definitely some fine tuning, and I think those are continuous conversations. The good thing is, again, it's it's the clubs deciding, it's the clubs speaking. Uh, it's a very the good thing about football industry is you speak to different clubs, different organizations, you learn from them, they learn from you, you exchange, you learn. I think it's a process. Right now, probably it seems a bit crazy that a younger club that maybe has less success on the pitch or that has you know. Uh, less European success suddenly is receiving much more money than a club that is maybe ranked sixth, seventh in a in a in a same strong competition or similar competition. So again, I think it's faces. I think it's it's those you know how broadcasting works. It's on on mid and long term. Again, it's four, five, six, seven year contract. So that impacts obviously the 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 larger amounts. And for you guys, in terms of your your sort of accounts. What what really drives the revenue? Is it match day for you? Is it commercial? Is it broadcasting? What's what's the one that's really re, really well, driving revenue? The, the sporting results, broadcasting is 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 large driver. Um, I think for us right now, and where we have really focuses on the stadium, um, we have decided one one season ago we started an entire stadium refurbishment uh, project, a large large uh, project, which really got deep 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 into the roots of the club. Uh, we had we have been playing with in in a stadium uh, that was built in 1998 uh, for the purpose of the Mediterranean Games, kind of the Olympic Games of the university sports, let's say, for the Mediterranean countries. And uh, it has a, it had a running track, so they it was a outdated stadium that needed to be worked on. Uh, we have made it possible. The the ownership has has really believed in it, and and and. And we have been working hard in the last year and a half. And for us, that is a main, main driver, not only on match days, but also on non-match days, you know, given, again, where we are and and uh, the opportunities that come up. You know, now we have a unique venue with a lot of different spaces and uses, a much better match day atmosphere, much more of, much more experiences within a match day. You know, there is really what we have tried is to create the experience everyone is looking for. So you might be a hardcore Mallorca fan, we have the sit for you. You're someone that is very interested in gastronomy and in the destination, we have a place for you. You're someone that wants to have show, that wants to have, you know, a unique experience, something extraordinary, you know, because you're going to come once, we have a spot for you. That that was the focus. And also non-match day, which is, that that's going to impact us a lot. That's going to be one of the main drivers looking into the next next years. 
Yeah, before we go into what the footy line for with your two truths, one line part two, just a quick one, obviously one of the groundbreaking things that have happened in recent years of La Liga is the CVC deal. How has that affected your world and, and, and the things that you're up to? I mean, it has been a, we have received it very well. I think it's, it's a driver. It's, you know, getting a boost right now in investment for something that you're, it's going to help you generate more and grow towards the future. Um, for us, the great thing is we were already in mentally and, and, and ready working on uh, this stadium project. So when this opportunity came up and, and, and I think La Liga did an incredible job, I think it has been a very valuable uh, opportunity for, for, for all the clubs, you know, to really deliver or bring La Liga to the next level. Uh, and grow uh, we were the first club to start with the entire stadium refurbishment we didn't need to start we had it we were planning already so it gave us the opportunity to start it immediately and you know bring in that growth and that opportunity and 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 that vision of where we wanted to go start immediately so we're proud we've been finalizing we have finalized about 80 percent of the stadium refurbishment at this moment just one behind the gold stand that we're finishing now and around mid-January, probably 10th, 15th, the stadium will be 100%, you know, uh, refurbished. And that is that is thanks to CBC and, 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 and the, the agreement with La Liga. So that gave us the opportunity to move and to act so quick. But again, the work and the initial steps were there. So... No, that's awesome. But it's now time for my favourite part of the show. I've actually lost this... I think the last two or three times I've done this, but have you prepared your three statements? So I've prepared some. I could give you five or ten, but yeah. no, I, I came up with three things that 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 have you know that that speak about me and 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 how what what brought me here. So I have three statements, yeah. more on the personal side, okay. and uh, let's see let's see what you if I if I can get you there. No, the no one worries. of the things I'm proud of is I shook hands with the Princess of Wales. It was a good meeting. Wow. Um, another thing is that I lived in 17 different cities while growing up. And the last one is growing up as a kid, I was a big Real Madrid fan. Uh, and I had the opportunity to play tennis with Bernd Schuster. Wow. Shook hands with Prince of Wales. Lived in 17 different cities. Princess of Wales. Okay. Um, I'm gonna say, oh, this is always a tough one. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna say the 17 different cities is a lot. That's the only thing that's throwing me off. Ah, uh, I'm gonna say, I feel like it was a, a few cities, but less than that. I'm gonna say. Gonna say the middle one's a lie, and the other one's a tree. But we'll find we'll find out towards the end anyway. I've got a feeling I've got it wrong, but we'll find out towards the end anyway. One one I'm always fascinated to find out, Felix. Um, whenever I speak to guests uh, at that sort of senior level, is what's what's the biggest challenge that you faced within the role so far, and what have been your learnings from that? I think there has been a lot of challenges, um, especially with the stadium refurbishment. That was something nobody has been ever prepared 
you know, when that's a game changer that impacts every single day in the club. There is no normal office day. <laughs> and that has been a, a challenge. And then I think coming from, you know, moving forward and, and trying to grow this club internationally and, 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 and strengthening the brand, I think that the job was initiated and, and, and was fantastically, you know, initiated by this new ownership and the new director's team and, and, and all my colleagues. So coming in and, and trying to make us an impact on that, it has been a challenge, but it has been a, a fantastic ride uh, because it's full of opportunities. I think we have a club that, that you know, just brings so many different opportunities and doors to open and to look behind and what's there, you know, and, and coming from other sports, and I've been again tennis and golf probably is where I professionally have have spent most of my career. You move to football and there is a big, big step. And I mean tennis and, and, and golf are top sports, top industries, global major sports, right? And and still when you move to football and you you sit down and you say, My goodness, this is now a big, big cruise we're navigating here with and and you know Allying this with with the opportunities that are coming um, took me a, took me a bit, but I think uh, again I I think every day has 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 been a great part of the of this journey. Yeah, and and on that point about growing the club globally, what are the because it's something that, that a lot of clubs mention, whether that's in terms of cracking America, whether that's in terms of growing in growing in the Far East, what, for you, what are those key strategies and points that are going to help you to do that? Is it by linking up and creating synergies with the Phoenix Suns and creating content around that? We're seeing more clubs opening stores in different locations and territories. Is it, is it a case of doing things like that or, or, or signing players, for example, that are from... Uh, particular markets, for example, like Hunmin Son at, at Tottenham, for example, he does a fantastic job in terms of bringing bringing his audience over to Spurs as well. What are those sort of key strategies for you that will open up those those global international territories? I think we definitely, as as, as the destination that we are, we have uh, you know that I'd say the ACH zone or German speaking countries plus the UK, which are you know natural visitors of Mallorca people that we, for us are very, very important markets. Um, and then, as you mentioned, it's not about cracking up. I think we are doing that already. We are within the top three, top four of La Liga in, in impacts and, and on Sports Navy, for example, which is kind of the most used app in Japan. We are number one in views, number one in engagement, click per, per, per view. So we are scoring incredibly high in those markets that we have set uh, as, as, as strategic, Japan, Korea, and the US, obviously, because of the links. I mean, we have the best ambassadors you can have, not only with the Phoenix Suns, which obviously we're trying to move closer on the business side. We're working very closely with, when the time is the right one, which is probably very soon. We also will do that towards the outside, but also with, you know, our, our part of the ownership that, that is opening up so many opportunities within the US. And I think that we can't, you know, stand or leave out because that is an incredible opportunity we have. And the Asian markets for us have been incredible. We have had Japanese and, and Korean very strong players like Takekubo or Yin yeah, yeah. Lee, you know, that is now in, 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 in Paris Saint-Germain. Um, I think those guys have given us opportunities that you then need to really understand 
And I think understanding the culture, and we go back to where we spoke before, you know, having been there with sport events, having been there with the sports industry, not only myself, but other colleagues and, and partnering with the right people, um, you need to be there. You need to work there. You need to, it's not a one shot. It's not a, hey, I have a great player. I'm coming. Look at me. I have this fantastic player from your nationality. No, it's about growing the value of the club, making people understand what you stand for, working on very different assets and 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 projects and, and really being on the ground. I've been to Japan maybe three times in the last eight months. Um, wow. Those are markets we, we are very proud of having partners there and, and we continue uh, strengthening those partnerships and, and, and those relationships because it has helped us to be where we are today. And again, it's new opportunities arising that we need to be there and, and, and make sure we, we take those opportunities. No, 100%. And just sort of talk to me about some of your sponsorship deals. You've got some really cool sponsors in Coca-Cola, Nike, Estrella, one of my favourite beers. Just just sort of talk to me about, about getting those deals over the line. I, I do a lot of sponsorship work on the legal side, so I know how I, I know how difficult it is for people like yourself. So, uh, so yeah. I think every 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 partner and every sponsor tells a story. You know, you mentioned Estrella, which is I think a great example. If you see their main campaign yearly, this Mediterranean video that they put out every summer. You know, they started the summer starts with the advertising campaign of Estrella Dam. Uh, Estrella belongs to Mallorca. They 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 are from Barcelona, but all the brand and all the videos and all their 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 image and the brand has been built up on the Serra de Tramontana on on, on Mallorca landscape. So it's a natural fit. Then you have partners like Alpha Gel, uh, which is one of our global sponsors and main sponsor on the kid, which is a Japanese company, you know, that we opened a link there through having a Japanese player. And we have been we're extremely proud. We have been extending the contract and having now a long-term uh, relationship with with uh, with Tiger Group with Alpha Gel, and based on you know providing value, mutual value, and you know understanding what they're looking for, being there with them, having them here with us, creating opportunities. So every partner has a story. Footprint is a is a global partner for us. That is also a main main. Big, one of the biggest partners in, in the Phoenix Sun. So there we were able to put things on the ground and say, you guys are global. We can have a, you know, two sports engaged, connected to, you know, markets like the US American market and, and European market. So I think those, every partner stands and, and tells the story. That's what we try to do. And when people say, what does a CRO do? I, I probably start with saying I tell stories or I'm a storyteller because at the end it's understanding whom you're sitting with, understanding where you can provide value and creating that story together. And obviously, you know, creating the revenues for the club is part of my job as well. But, but I think that's that's part of, of, of partnerships. No, that's a, that's a brilliant way to to wrap that bit up but it's now time to reveal your answers to to what the footy you lying for I'm, I'm super super nervous about this one but but yeah don't be don't be you got it right i, I got it right i thought i kidding but i didn't i didn't i might i should have played safer um no I, I i didn't live in 17 cities i lived in 14 which is not bad either maybe 17 was too high you got to yeah there. too high yeah Son of a military and, and moving all the time uh, in different countries. So growing up, I think, was the start of, of how I then moved into tennis because the traveling around the world and living 
in different cities every week and then coming back and front and back. So I think that that's part of that that marked me. And I think that's my parents, you know, changing cities every year and a half, two years, spending some year here, then Germany, then back, then Canary Islands, then back, then Saragossa, then back. So it was a it was a funny growing up, but it wasn't 70. You're right. Yeah, yeah. And then and then talk to me about um, um, being a Real Madrid fan and then also the, the Princes of Wales as well. So being in the tennis industry, um, I was a crappy tennis player. That's why I ended up as a tennis umpire, most probably. But I had a passion for the sport. And, you know, in Spain, there is this sport called padre sport. Oh, I love padre, uh, yeah, yeah. Working in, 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 in the Madrid Open every year. And they had this beautiful paddle court built up with, with Estrella, actually. With, with, and uh, I remember going to play as part of an activation and we had the opportunity. And there I was playing doubles with Bernd Schuster, which is a guy I had always admired on the pitch. And, and he is good. He's a competitor and a tough guy on the pitch. So it was a great experience. And uh, in the end, the Princess of, of Wales, uh, at that time the Duchess of Cambridge, I was lucky enough to, to officiate one Wimbledon final. And, uh, you know, getting a, a medal by her and, and shaking hands, it was, it was an honor. Was it? Which, um, which Wimbledon final was that? I did a doubles. It was a... Ah, nice, nice, nice. And, ooh, I don't remember. I'm getting older, but a long time ago. So, yeah. Was and because, that it is because... And, you know, have, you know, the medal with your name and Wimbledon is so, so great in details, you know, and, and the way they treat every single aspect when you work with 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 the tournament with the championships it's everything around it is magical and uh, that that was part of that magic as well yeah and although we're a football business podcast tennis is my second favorite sport so i do have to ask you this question who is who is the tennis goat who's the greatest of all time i from my yoga what do you what do you expect me to say no ah. i i think rafa has, has rafa changed for you, yeah. and uh, i mean the time that Rafa and Roger have, have brought in what they have given to the sport is, is unique. I think there is other main actors. Andy Murray is an incredible guy. Novak Djokovic obviously still there now with new talents. But I think what how Rafa and, and Roger, you know, and, and those uh, competitors, although those rivalries in tennis have been there in the past with Agassi and Sampras, but I think never to the point of changing a sport like, like Rafa and Roger have. So definitely yeah. I won't, I won't, I won't frame my opinion yet, but um, <laughs> we'll save that for another date when I when I come up to Mallorca for some padding and to, and and to see the stadium. And the last question that I ask all of the guests is: What the footy needs to change or happen within your space? God, it's massive because I think I work in a space, or we work, and and especially in in my area of of business within the within football, it's a continuously changing environment. So it's changing so much, so fast every day that maybe sometimes we need to change a little bit less, but not jokes aside. I think what really needs to probably be taken, not only in this continuous change, but to the real next level is our commitments, you know, versus things like sustainability. I think those are things that we need, we represent so much within society. You know, we have such big impacts in football. I think... We have some challenges there, uh, digitalization, sustainability, the way, you know, we open doors to our fans. And, and I think 
not only change, but I think we need to make the real change, you know, like make the big step in, in, in how we can impact. And especially I think sustainability is, is one of the things where we all have a lot of house homework to do. Um, let's really make the effort in aligning. No, thank you, Felix. Felix, thank you so much for your time. Really valuable insight for the listeners. And yeah, thank you for featuring on the podcast. Cheers. It was great fun, Paul. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening. I hope you loved it. And if you did, give the pod a follow and a five-star review and tell a friend to tell a friend. See you in a fortnight for the next episode. Let's go. What the footy? What the footy? What the footy? What the footy? Knew some other guys liked me, but I didn't know it was to that extent. Imagine being a kid in primary school. Now it's a putting awesome. Powerful people, and I think they need to recognise that. But then also, they need to be represented the right way. Sport in general is nothing without fans. Uh, based on you know, one single source of revenue alone, that being the TV. So when in the league, let's just win this to appease the fans.